I'm Paul Dunn and welcome to The Creative Relay, the podcast where Australia's most inspiring creatives talk to the creatives that most inspire them. Brought to you by Smith & Weston. So here's the deal. Each episode, you'll hear from an inspiring creative mind, first to be interviewed and then interviewing the creative of their choice in the following episode. Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Last time on The Creative Relay, Ant Keogh from the Monkeys Melbourne told us about the sacrifices he's made for his art. I was sitting there one summer and all my friends had gone down to the beach and I was sitting there thinking, man, I'm really like putting out here. All those guys are having fun and I'm being an artist. I hope this artist thing pays off one day. (laughs) Do you feel it has? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) So now it's his turn to pass on the baton. You're listening to The Creative Relay Podcast. Ant, welcome back. Thank you, Paul. Uh, episode two. So now you left us with a hint last time as as uh, who you were going to be bringing in to chat with us. A very broad hint. Can you remind us of that broad hint? I think last time I said a British man who's been out in Australia for about 20 years. So can you reveal to us then who is this? Yes, this, this person is Jonathan Kneebone. The charming Jonathan Kneebone. The one and only Jonathan Kneebone. <laughs> Jonathan, welcome to the Creative Relay. Good day. Is that suitably Australian? <laughs> <Yes>. I'm British, <laughs> apparently, but um, I can sound Australian if you want me to. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. I got you here <laughs> in this hostage situation because actually, Jonathan and I have, we've kind of, well, our our various bodies, agencies, have done a lot of work together. We've done jobs together. I think in all that time, we've barely. I don't think I've really sat down and had a good chat with you. No. And so I really thought this would be a good excuse to... No, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, to, to do this on someone else's expense. I, th- I think we've managed a minute, <laughs> if you add up all the times we've spoken. Yeah. And you, most of those would have been con- drunken congratulations. Yeah, yeah, good on you. Good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah. Because Jonathan has made lots of our jobs wonderful, and uh, I thank you for that. Well, uh, it's always an honour to be asked to get involved with the, what was... Well, new acclaims, obviously. But, yeah, always nice to be asked by people who are doing the best stuff to help out. And always more challenging and therefore more rewarding and all of that. I'm going to ask you about switching countries. I'm sure you've been asked about that a lot. But can I go back even further? Yeah. And pry further into your... (laughs) Tell me about your childhood. Do you remember being a kid, like, being artistic? No. No. I do remember being a kid, sorry. Yeah, you do remember. I don't remember being artistic. I was not artistic. I was... Well, I did a degree in electronics, if that right. helps to explain how unartistic I was. But um, I was... I absolutely loved television. Uh-huh. Like, that was... I, I, I actually really wanted to get into television. I would think we're of the same generation of where yeah. parents put their kids in, in front, front of the television, the t- right? Yeah. But no, I mean, I wasn't particularly interested in science. What happened was, at my school, which was a crappy Catholic boarding school... The careers office was particularly useless and they had a folder dedicated to the BBC 
I opened it and there was only one page in it and it was engineering. Right. <laughs> so I assumed that the only way to get into television was to why become was, an engineer. So why was engineering in the BBC folder? Just that's that's the only thing that apparently the school thought the BBC could help you with. Right. There was nothing about production or oh, program so making. Going there as, so, so I just as an engineer. So I was stupid enough to think if I want to work at the BBC, I have to work out how the cameras and diodes and mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was completely stupid. <laughs> and then that's why I did engineering because I thought, well, if I want to get into the media or radio or television, I've got to do the science stuff. I, 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 there was no one in my family or no one around who you know would have said why don't you go and just yeah. get onto the artistic side or the writing or make a career as a i don't know uh, someone who who presents things yeah uh, i didn't really have anyone to say no notion of that no it was all the practicality and, be- and then everyone said if you can do science do science yeah so next thing you know i'm at a university doing engineering and- <laughs> i think it was um leo burnett had a a graduate recruitment scheme or BBH even speaking of Hegarty and and um and it said advertising you can do radio ads tv ads print ads and I went holy shit these are all the things that I love and then I remembered way back when um we used to have a game in our family which my dad I'm sure lots of families had the same game it was guess what the next ad's going to be yeah right <laughs> Like it was, there wasn't much to do in Luton, as you can tell. It wasn't a board game. It was, <laughs> no, it was created by your family. We would sit in front of the television, and it would be. Guess how what? often would you get that right? That doesn't seem like you could no, get that, right that often. No, it was just a thing. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for forty years. But no, that was that was a weird thing we did. And maybe that maybe you always won. Maybe yeah. that's why you're, you went. Uh, the next ad's going to be for Andrex, Dad. I reckon. <laughs> you know, it's for toilet tissue or Bisto or something. I don't think we got a prize if we got it right. Yeah, or, but it yeah. made you start. I was just you be, watching advertising. Yeah, I. I definitely liked ads. Mm. I think ads, by and large, were better in Britain than here. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm old enough to say that that would have been in the, the era of CDP. So, Tony Brignall, Hugh Hudson, um, John Salmon, um, all these brilliant people who were mm. working in that agency, and Alan Parker, amazing people who've gone on to do all sorts of things, obviously, but they were writing ads with Leonard Rossiter and Joan Collins in for Kempire, oh, Cinzano, sorry. Yeah. You know, and it was all about the drink going over her and then yeah, yeah. Hovis ads and Hamlet cigar ads and then stuff that actually was good. Yeah. Entertaining. So, so hang on, you're standing with that folder and it's got the Leo Burnett thing. Mm. So what do you do then? I was probably would have been in my second year at uni. Uh, so I still had to get through electronic engineering. I, I mean, I kind of did get a degree, but... I'd started to go and meet agencies. Right. Um, so I, I wrote to... Um, I actually went and met with uh, an account director at BBH. That was my first exposure to advertising. Went to visit the person? Yeah, I, went to, yeah, I wrote them a letter and said, yeah. I'm really interested in advertising. I like the adverts you make. And they were they would have only had about 12 or 15 people working there then. They just won the Audi account. Yeah. And I went and saw them. And, and, and stood and in that box... This guy called Nick, I think it was Nick Gash or something. I think he might even still work in the business. He wrote me a letter and said, come and see us, and I did. And he took me through their their creds document. And I was going, wow, this is so exciting. Yeah. I must, yeah. And um, so then I applied to to try to become an account man, because that's, again, 
all the advice you get steers you in completely yeah. the wrong direction for, yeah. if you want to be a creative person. They, yeah. You know, you, you don't get exposed to the fact that that's a way in. You just get all the... The way in to get into advertising is to become an account man. Yeah. So I applied and I... I presume you're not creative, I guess. Yeah, that's what I tried to get into. Mm -hmm. And getting into an account planning job from scratch is was impossible in those days. No one, no one took you on. So then I kind of went, well, actually... I've had so many rejection letters. Why don't I just face up to the fact that what I actually want to do is be in the creative department? May as well get rejected by them. Yeah. That coincided with me finishing uni. So what are you, roughly 23 or something? Like? I was 20, 20. 21. 20. Yeah. yeah, just finished uni. And um, my dad rang me up and he said, you know you want to work in advertising? So I said, yes. He said, well, one of my patients, he's a GP. He was a GP. One of my patients came into my skin clinic the other day and his son had a terrific boil on the back of his neck. <laughs> So while I was lancing it, his father <laughs> told me that he had a job going. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he wants you to go and meet him. <laughs> so um, I've set up an interview for you. <laughs> so this was like a really terrible, crappy, but real ad agency in Luton. Yeah, yeah. So I got a job. Oh, nice. Four and a half grand a year. And... Um, writing documents which explained why a Fiat Strada was a better purchase than a Ford Mondeo or whatever. Mm. And I, I kind of, you know, I was very happy that I'd got in, but I started to read Campaign magazine and that sort of said there was a bit of a bigger world out there. jobs on there, yeah. Yeah. But still, um, it's fairly invaluable, that mm. stuff, isn't it? I know with me, it's doing lots of radio scripts. Yeah. Ended up helping, for example, you know, recording them. And the timing you know, involved in radio yeah. really helped me later when I was doing television, for example. Absolutely. Yeah, your first exposure to... What, what I was learning, I, I didn't realise, was, I suppose, choosing an argument, finding an argument for why something was better or finding yeah. the truth about something, learning how to um, position something as... You know, finding the, the strengths of something over yeah, something yeah, else. Yeah. Anyway, in one, in one of these... Campaign magazines. There was an article about this college called the School of Communication Arts, which, which was part run by BBH and um, Saatchi's Paul Arden and John Hegarty. So they had an eye on all the kids in there. Yeah, and it was run by a guy called John Gillard, who's if you know of him, you know how brilliant he was. Yeah, well, so he, he was president of the DNAD at one stage. Wasn't I think he? he may have been. Yeah, I think that's why he I used to him. run the copy school uh, at JWT for years, and then he he sort of said. All these art schools are useless because they spend three years getting people nowhere. Why don't I spend teaching people a year and get them somewhere? Yeah. And and what happened was you had to pay to go on this course, but in nine months you went from not working in advertising to yeah. having a placement in an ad agency that was all part of the course. I did the copy school here in Melbourne. It was obviously stolen from that idea. Similar thing, yeah, sounds like. It was amazing. It changed my life because... Yeah. I'd realised, well, he, he was an amazing teacher, but, but more than that, the guy who looked after me, if you like, as a regular tutor was John Salmon, yeah, right. who was like the head of CDP. So it was insane. Um, and then Paul Arden came every Thursday to college. John wow. Hickety would come and do talks. Indra Singer would talk, you know. Great. Barbara Noakes would come. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Within a very short period of time, what what John was extraordinary at was teaching people how to think. And he said, I can't teach you how to write ads, but I can teach you how to think. And I realised 
I'd gone through the whole of school, whole of education, and not realised why I was learning or why I was in an educational mm. establishment. The re- the, actually, no one had ever told me the reason you go to school is to teach you how to think. To it, you. Is the, it is the argument, yeah. you know, isn't it? It's yeah. the argumentative thinking. I suppose you do a little bit of that in English in school, but not a lot. It's like that's all we do. Once you get no. into this type of job is... All you're thinking about is the... Yeah. Uh, I mean, persuasive writing is just argumentative writing. Yeah. It? I mean, we call it having an idea, but in a way, I, I, I think that's... I don't know whether that's really trivialising it in a way. I mean, we, we all know what we mean by, oh, have you had an idea yet? Yeah. But really what you're saying is, have you thought of something original yet? Yeah. Have you thought of something that you hadn't thought of before? Yeah. I was doing award school the other day, and someone said, how do you know when you've had an, had an idea? And I kind of rather flippantly said, you'll think of something you haven't thought of before. Yeah. I, I kind of I hadn't thought of that. No, okay. There's the answer. The thing that I, I mean, going back to John Gillard at the, the School of Communication Arts, he, what he made me most interested in was involving the audience in whatever it was that we were doing. And this was like, how do you mean? Uh, best example is I would say uh, kind of happened when we when we got our first placement. Uh, me and Dave Johnson so we met at college and we got a brief from the Royal Mail so this was the days where the Royal Mail Australian Post equivalent would we be running advertising encouraging people to write letters (laughs) so it's quite a long time ago anyway they had uh, the brief we were given was to encourage young people to use the post more and the solution we had was to create a range of postcards which would be more fun to send than to put on your wall we basically then stuck those postcards into kids children's magazines not kids magazines you know like smash hits or something like that so on one side of the magazine it said if you mean it write it and then on the other side with these postcards you could literally pull out and send and and one of the postcards said things like um i just wanted to say dot 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 to embarrass you in front of your parents yeah yeah. so if you wrote something rude and sent it through the post it arrived in the Mm. parent the friend's house and the parents would read what it said on the postcard yeah. yeah that simple which is really you know it's interesting because someone the other day was talking about pretty much that form in terms of social media yeah in that you create rather than create sort of an ad that you want people to send around you create a sort of vessel you give them something to make them look cleverer to their their mates you know well i think that's really brilliant they're involved what happened was the ad made money for the royal mail that wasn't oh, right. That's enough. You know what I mean? Like it's again, a fourth thing about it. Yeah, it's almost like it's the same thing happened years later with Warren when we did the Virgin Mobile. Yeah. Where we had the idea of this guy who needed the, the rates for, with Virgin were so cheap that you'd even text a loser like this guy. That was the idea. Yeah. But when we'd finished making the film, we we thought it needed some graphics, <laughs> so we put this just for the sake of it. We put O four O three Warren. Yeah. Oh, you didn't uh, think anyone would call? No. It just was just to make the, the film look more finished, yeah. and then we got a million phone calls, yeah. and they made. And, you know, I mean, probably made more money for Telstra than it did for Version, simply because of who had oh, phones right, with right, which right. account. Sure. But the reality was, it made money yeah, <laughs> for yeah, the phone right. company. But that was—I wouldn't say that's an agenda. I'm just saying I think by saying, "Hey, we've got an opportunity to involve people in what we're saying." That, I think that, that was something that I kind of latched onto pretty early. I liked the idea that you, you took advantage of the fact that you had this space or media or time to talk to people. And rather than just say, buy this bag because it's blue, mm. you go, hey, <laughs> imagine what you could do with a blue bag. <laughs> I don't know. That's not even right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like blue, let's, let's, let's create a, yeah. a football 
season where blue bags yeah, yeah. are what you use to it's goalposts yeah to carry your footballs in yeah I don't know there's there's something about it that became more involving than just yeah so I mean it's really interactive isn't it yeah I think I got onto that whole interactive lot earlier yeah. than it perhaps was it you know was the media allowed for and was so what, what, what was happening just before you came out to Australia yeah so I, after you, college went to yeah you went DMB for a few and years of that and yeah four years at DMBNB um the last couple was under Tony Brignall which was uh you know pretty special because although he didn't really probably want to be there but he it was great for me because he took a shine to me and Dave and we got great attention from him he was he was a bit of an icon for us and then we moved to Howe Henry which was where we really wanted to be yeah it was a pretty hardcore place Howe Henry I mean it was the agency of the decade in the 90s and it was yeah. it was doing the best work and we were just desperate to work there what was the classic stuff that they did? the tango ads were the oh, most okay, fa- yeah. famous for they kind of made the agency's reputation yeah. which was like a guy drinking yeah, this yeah, orange sure. drink and then this fat man comes out and slaps the guy classic i mean one. it was it was that was the groundbreaking thing. hello johnny i think we might use a video replay here super ralph let's do that Yes, Ralph, the big orange fellow running from the left, and he gives him a good old slapping. You know where you've been tangoed. I liked the rebelliousness of it and the craziness of making ads that sort of didn't make conventional sense. And Steve Henry was, you know, an awesome person to work with. And we were there for a couple of years, and um, Dave Johnson, who was working with him, and myself, we were finding it a little bit stressful to be fair, and Dave probably a little bit more than me, but he kind of said, I wouldn't mind working somewhere else where they speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit less stressful than London, or yeah. how Henry, really. Um, and we started putting some feelers out, and the first uh, interview we had was with Neil Lawrence from YNR Sydney, which, yeah, right. and they had just, they just won, won, just yeah. won Agency of the Year with Campaign Brief, I think, and they just won Foxtel. And Neil came over and interviewed us in London, and, and we kind of went... Well, I remember when we told Axel Chaudicott we were leaving, how Henry, he said, well, you're obviously not leaving for the work then. Because <laughs> 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 um, yeah. um, we were off to Sydney to work in Y&R, which was, yeah. I don't think no anyone was. in London was really thinking they were particularly no. uh, Nowhere in Australia, good. So there, that's, that's what was going on. And, yeah. and, um, but that was the reason. Yeah, and, and I so guess I, I just thought, What's the worst that could happen a couple of years away from London? I can always come back to London. I think I probably thought I would. But um, what happened was suddenly we got the chance to use all the things that we'd learned and all the things we wanted to do and just be our own creative directors a bit. We yeah. weren't a creative director. I mean, Neil was. Neil gave us this opportunity when we arrived for this UV sun cream. That's right, brief. I remember, yeah. And, I, can uh, sort of vague, I can vaguely remember you arriving in terms of like some PR release or something. Oh, oh we pissed then, a lot of people off. Well, what did you do? Well, a British remember. journalist interviewed us. Ah. Uh, he, he was a bit fed up of the Pommy Mafia thing, and so he completely set us up. We had an ah, interview okay. with him, and he, he said, oh, why didn't you go to the Campaign Palace? Like, they're the best agency in Australia. So, <laughs> so I, yeah. I said, well, I'll actually... We kind of watched their reel, and we found ourselves sort of talking over it <laughs> so the next day in B&T Nevon and Johnson arrived to save Australia from boring advertising yeah right. I, feel and, I can and, vaguely remember that yeah. maybe that's why you <laughs> did um, stand yeah. out yeah. and then about an hour later we got a fax from Warren Brown and Paul Fishlock it said uh, dear Dave Johnson and Jonathan knee jerk <laughs> welcome to Australia we look forward to your first piece of work 
<laughs> behind the palace. <laughs> At the time, we didn't realise why that was kind of a horrific thing to receive. But uh, anyway, they were nice enough to say when we got the first piece of work out, yeah, the UV which was, was the UV. First thing, wasn't yeah, it? thank yeah. God. They wrote back again uh, in the press. They put, uh, you That's know, nice. we, we these guys pretty much put the pressure on themselves when they got here. And that uh, thing obviously kind of exp- that was exploded. A, yeah, didn't it? it was a. Uh, amazing experience really because it was a, an amazing brief you can't even see the ads anymore can you no they were they, no, no so they were banned but, but i remember the performances were good yeah i think it ran for about three weeks and i mean that would if, cause a fuss now i would have thought yeah it was a, it was a baptism of fire that's for sure so the ads got pulled and then people wrote letters saying we want these ads back on air black skin has naturally excellent protection from the sun white skin needs the extra help of a sunscreen like uv <laughs> Better to be sent than sorry. <laughs> and and literally we got faxes, letters in the paper. We want these ads back on air. It was just kind of unbelievable that people say we want these ads unbanned. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Where were you working in ninety? 90- Ninety-six. Is that the time when you came out? Yeah, ninety-five. Yeah, yeah, I can. I have a vague picture of myself standing inside Mojo in Melbourne. In Who would have you, been? Was was Darren uh, CD no, then? No, no, it was um, Lachlan McPherson. Oh yeah. There was a stage where there was Lachlan McPherson, sort of Sean Cummins, um, Greg Wilmont, all that kind of. Crew. Yeah. Do you? Find, it's weird, isn't it? There's this era of people who are still in the business who were the names then and they're the names now. Yeah. Something I've really noticed is where are the new names, you know what I mean? Isn't I don't it, know. But wouldn't that be like, you know, in school, how you remember the older kids but you don't know the young kids? Yeah. Is I it know, a bit I of that if going it's on? that or if it's just networks taking ownership of ideas or campaigns more than... Because oh, yeah. in, the, in the days, I would be able to tell you who wrote, like, Tango, yeah, yeah. Tango Al Young, Trevor Robinson, or who wrote, you know... Tom and Walt, who wrote Guinness, or you know, I, I know who wrote yeah. them. They didn't used to have a ton of names on them. Like I just, I just feel like if you're at an awards show now, you know which company yeah. or which network or which agency has won the award. You don't necessarily get to celebrate the names of the people who've done the work. I mean, I'd say there are odd exceptions. You'd be definitely one of them, obviously, where you know your name's attached to fantastic Certain pieces of film, and, and it's because the work's so good. But I mean, Fred and Fareed. Yeah, they made themselves into a brand, but there aren't too many younger guys yeah. who I'm aware of. I think Sander and Willie at Clems in Sydney, they're yeah. gonna, they've they've got. I don't know how they've cut through, but for, they have. I'm kind of pleased that it's if that's happening, great. It should be. I'd love that to happen more. I always think the people who've done the work should get the glory, not the people they've done the work for. If you see what I mean. Yeah, and I think if I think if you're hanging around in those circles with your sort of age group, so to speak, it's I think you'll hear that. a bit more about who's yeah, doing what. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess you become envious of the people and, and that's, that sort of inspires you to want to be one of those names, I guess, or, or at least be talked about in that way. Do yeah. you feel like you learnt... Because I've kind of got a version of this, but I'll just ask you, but, you know, when you say you started at 20, 20 did you or something like that? Yeah, 21. yeah. What's... And then now you're, let's say, you're... <laughs> twice some, that. Twice some that. Some older age? Yeah. What... What did you learn and what didn't you learn in that time? Do you just feel like you learn across the board creatively? You know, because there's that there's that sort of logical thinking and there's that creative thinking. Yeah. Yeah, what's changed, I suppose? I think there's a time when you go, uh, I am now doing work that is true 
more true to me than it has been. Yeah. And I think that definitely, when it, why I've ended up staying in Australia, I guess, or why it made sense and why it made me creatively inspired and excited was that I felt like Australia was allowing me to be more myself, allowing me creatively. And, 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 and I, and I think... Nice well, yeah, I, I reckon if I'd stayed in London, I know what would have happened to me. I would have had... And that suggests there's a sort of more, I don't know, rigid way of doing it or something there, isn't there's, it? The, the traditions in London are very, very sound and solid and well-trodden. And, and, you you know, everything... So so basically, you become a junior copywriter, you become a senior copywriter, you become mm, a CD. Huh? And then if you're lucky, you get your name on a door or you start your own agency and it's, that's that's it. That's the path. And then maybe you become the international creative director. But that path was something that I thought, well, that's what I'm destined to do. And then I got to Australia and that was a random move. I mean, it was mm. quite strange. But what happened was I felt like I was able to put more of myself into the work and all the things I'd really wanted to experiment with were allowed to happen whilst I was in an agency at YNR. Yeah. And, and then it was like, do I still go along this path and become a creative director and name on the door? Or... Do I just try something completely random? Well, you've been, yeah, you've and been very lateral. And that's also, when Glue started, yeah. 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 That's right. Well, but also, interestingly, you've been really good at integrated kind of work. And I think Britain's been slow to get oh, into definitely. that, right? Definitely. I mean, they've got such a strong heritage yeah. with television and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but I think it my, seems like Australia yeah. really was uh, a place that's got got into that integrated work and I think you've been at the forefront of it. The thing is, Mark Waits, I remember from Mother, was talking about the fact that someone was very excited that their YouTube clip had got 100,000 views. And he said, well, so yeah. what? I fucking ran an ad during X Factor and they got 8 million views and, know. you know, without us putting on YouTube. Like, that happens in England. I, I think 100,000 views for well, I mean, well, a million, let's say, in Australia, that's a big rating, you mm. know, and to get, you know, however many million watch Dumb Ways to Die, whatever it is, mm. you know, they, those those figures are bigger than, than the population, that you do sort of see, stuff. You do see those figures bandied about in yeah. t- sometimes with digital stuff. And, you know, yeah. I've done, I think I must have read the same article because <laughs> you sort of compare into your head yeah. what a Sunday night would do. Yeah. You go, that's really not a lot. That's right. But, but I think the integrated thing, uh, as I said, for me, it came around from this desire to involve the audience. From so, that little seed about the... Doing the postcards. Yeah, and it happened It yeah, happened with Hal Henry as well. I mean, we did a piece of work before television was properly interactive. We did a piece of work which you had to turn the sound up on the telly to be able to hear the voiceover. Yeah. Um, just so you, the yeah. voiceover would tell you about the car, but only if you wanted to listen. We had to tell people to turn the sound down again at the end of the <laughs> The next ad would really blast them for <laughs> sock, you know, for six. Yeah. Uh, but um, we were just desperate to do things that involved people. Mm. And, and that, this, this, you know, so to, just for the sake of the narrative, yeah. so we are getting to glue, or you sort of got to glue, but yeah, yeah, how? Yeah, glue, glue. I guess we got the opportunity when Warren happened. Yeah, suddenly we went, holy shit! People, people are interested enough in this to want to participate. So th- that became the Virgin Mobile point of difference. Let's make ads that people participate in. I mean, we did Five Cent, Ming Wong, yeah. Jason Donovan. The, the idea behind the campaign was get yeah, people okay. to participate right. and the so fact I that see we that now, but I didn't realize it. no that but that was I don't think we knew really we just wanted to have fun I mean yeah when Do we came up cool. with Ming Mong I mean I remember the moment we went 
it's like ping pong for mobiles. Let's call it Ming Mong, and then we just wet ourselves for five <laughs> minutes. It's, I've had it's a, outrageous. I've, I've had quite a few of my ads. The best ones have sort of started or ended with that thought. Are we? We can't. Mm. Well, we said we can't do that. Of course, mm. and he sort of went. What if we did did do that? Yeah. We could do that. Why can't we do that? Yeah, well, you know. And then in, in five minutes later, it's like we're, we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Where we're finding ourselves now, which is kind of weird, is we're we're sort of becoming the people that help people make their ideas happen, mm. rather than necessarily. So originating. tell me, tell me right at the start of. Glue Society, did you did you have a clear idea of what you're going to do? Are you we saying, to, well, yeah, the, you the, get more into production? and Not really. The, the, the first thing we said was, could we make a living doing what we love doing? That was really, like, do all the things That's that we like question. about working in an agency, but take away all the things we hated. Yeah. So we don't have, we didn't have to do meetings anymore. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, like you know, we would actually work during the day. Yeah. And we very rarely work at weekends. I don't know. It was just try to make our lives a positive, creative experience, and then we just wondered. You had you had to do. A, there was a sort of line in the sand, wasn't there? Because you would have ended up either competing with an agency or not. Y- yes, we desperately didn't want to become an agency. Yeah, and that almost drove every decision. Uh, we also didn't want to just be palmed off as freelancers because yeah. for us, being a creative team, being freelancers, you had no. There was no value in your contribution. Yeah, you might end up with a nice reel, but you, a few a couple of years in. We realised if we just were working as ideas, people solving briefs, we we were really replicating what agencies had already. So we kind of said, wouldn't it be great if we could execute our own ideas? And that's really where things started to change. Gary got... Was Gary there from the start? Yeah, yeah. Um, So Dave, myself and Gary started it. And then we toyed with the idea of working with clients directly and... We just thought, well, that means we're going to need capability to liaise and, and, and manage a relationship, which was not really something we felt we were good at or wanted to be good at. We'd rather just write the work and make it. And when, when Dave left, Gary and I kind of decided that we would try to write and direct everything we did. That was mm. kind of our... That was a way of getting more income in, actually. Mm-hmm. And then Which we, turns you into more of a production. Yeah, it did. And, and I didn't really ever think of myself as someone that would be directing other people's ideas. I always thought... I'm happy to direct my own because I felt okay about that. But yeah. but to say I'm good enough to direct someone else's idea, I mean, I didn't feel ready for that. So it's taken a long time for me to feel comfortable with that idea. And only it's only certain types of idea I would say I'm. You know, he he's he's really took to film direction and he's very good at it. I'm much more about directing ideas beyond film. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's ended up working out really well. Um, and so you're saying that nowadays you're not doing so many of your own ideas because... Yeah, not I really. That's, that's sort of the price you pay for fame, isn't it? You've got... Be- you know, directing. People yeah, yeah. people don't like you to do both, really. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> you have to fit into a box a bit. But, that not. I mean, we still do. But And, and I still... I think to be a good director, really, you have to have a very strong understanding of communication, in this business, anyway. You know, the really good directors are the ones who know how to tell a story, but also how to make it relevant to mm. whatever it is. And then, and then, particularly with some of the American ones, they're such good kind of yeah. communicators, just on a personal level. Yeah, it's like I would—I I hate to use the word salesman, but or oh. saleswomen, but yeah, you know, but but just communicators, I would say. Yeah, so they're fantastic on the I phone think, or whatever. Yeah, they, I think people get very good at it because it's so competitive, and the point of difference really is who you're going to trust your idea with. If you've, if you've busted a gut for a year working on an idea and then it doesn't end up how you want it, that's just soul-destroying, I think. Mm. And to some extent, 
the way things have evolved for us is I don't think we ever expected to be executing other people's ideas at the beginning. That was just something that happened. The, the first time it happened was bizarre. It was much more, we're going to create work and, 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 and execute it. Yeah, so that's all the Virgin stuff we wrote and directed. Yeah. Or people in the Glue Society did, like Maddie and Dave, or, and Gary would direct it or I'd direct it. What, what was the agency there? Post was the ad agency. Oh, of course, because you So got they Post. had the account. So that's yeah. Gary's brother, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had this very natural and host didn't have a creative department we could write and direct so mm. it was a great relationship in a way we were like an agency as combined companies but individually we didn't have to sit with a bunch of suits and pretend to like playing ping pong with would them. go and use other people obviously <laughs> yeah yeah and indeed they worked with three drunk monkeys first of all and yeah. then there was uh, john and christian working as twelve twenty. host as an idea i thought was really great um uh, because it sort of allowed people who were freelancing to suddenly become valued. Mm. And what would happen in those early days was Anthony would show them all the different showreels and the client would choose which team they wanted to work with. Right. Like, I don't think that happens in agencies yeah. that you that you get presented. Here where the creative teams work. Which team do you want to yeah, work with? Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of random, that thought, but it no, was no, kind no, of cool. No, it meant no, that no, when no, the no. client chose us, so, so when Virgin, all the different Virgin clients came along, they wanted us to work on their business. And that was a really nice feeling to have. We were the creative team for them and, and they would, by and large, buy what we showed mm. because they'd invested in us being the people who were working with them. So even though we weren't responsible for that account or, or the success of that business, sort of in terms of an agency bottom line, we were responsible for the creative output. I can't really think of, of the earlier model where you were writing. Yeah. I can't think of many other people like that, can you? But it, it's because we've evolved as we've gone. And also the people who are part of it have helped. You know, what we're interested in doing has ended up changing what we do. Because you do a lot of art now, don't you? Yeah, and, and you know, various people who've come through and stayed with us for years and years like you know Matt Devine, James Dive and Maddie and Dave they've, they've all used the time with us to work out what they want to do or what they really like doing and it's helped them to be confident enough to then go on and do that mm -hmm. elsewhere which is you know I'm, I'm, I couldn't be prouder of that you know and there are not many places like where people stay for 12 years and most of those guys did. We were talking about that um, in our last episode yeah and no and just about that sense of loyalty and yeah and staying with people and it seems like it's a common thing with you as well you've got a, a very strong collective of people that yeah have... i think to to, to Ant's, Ant's point it's it there isn't many other places to be able to do it you know i wish there were you so i mean they're just stuck with you <laughs> they haven't got anywhere yeah stuck with the glue study <laughs> i mean the options someone has you know someone who's been with us 10 years okay they they can become a director, they can start a new business of their own, or they can... The option to go and work in an agency is somehow not as appealing as perhaps it would be if they'd never come to us. They um, can't go back. It's like yeah, so you, there's a lot of... You end up with a lot of yourself going into your work. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in agencies, because it obviously does, but, but it's harder for it to happen, I think, for you to get that sense that... Or almost be allowed it, actually. I don't know. I think nowadays it's harder to be given license to just do what you're great at and mm. let the agency feed off your skill. If you're not collaborating or you're not inviting other people to help become part of your world, then you're not really being a proper professional these days. I, I, I think there's room for both, put it that way. You know, yeah. you know we, we all know that it takes a lot of people to get a great campaign out these days. And, and, and there are lots of people who can do stuff that, you know, creatives can't do and, and you have to feed off each other. But 
What, so, what would your favourite work be that, of the Glue Society? It's a really good question. I, I, I guess, I mean, one of the things I'm proudest of would be the Airbnb work, actually, oddly, even though, you know, it's quite recent. But um, not oddly in the sense that anything other than it's recent and I was involved in it, I suppose. But in terms of defining us as a bunch of people, one of the pieces of work I really love is, is the campaign we did for 42 Below because yeah, it was nice. particularly good fun to do. And to be halfway up a mountain with a bunch of plastic chairs making an archway and I don't know, it was, it was kind of, we did it, we made it, we were there, we physically got our hands dirty, we filmed it and it was way ahead of its time. Mm. Um, it was somewhat artistic. It was great. There's obviously pieces of work which have had a really major social effect or commercial effect for us as well you know like yeah. March of the Emperors I, I think yeah, is yeah. one of my faves and, and artistically something like um, God's Eye View which Jim dived did and we supported and but from a kind of us in a nutshell I would probably say Watch With Mother which was the yeah. TV yeah, the show we made thing. would be the greatest achievement but, it's I mean, not, not is it? <laughs> no no, <laughs> no but uh, it's we got a meeting with um, the ABC uh, with Courtney Gibson and then Amanda Duthie who was running the head of entertainment. And they'd seen some work we'd done for The Chaser to help promote the show, you know, the billboards we put up in Iraq and stuff, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, yeah. which um, was brilliant that they let us do that. And they, they loved that as well. But they said, we're really interested in your creative work for commercials, but we're really interested in what you do if you didn't do commercials. Well, that's a great question. Yeah. And so it is a good question. We went back with some ideas and they said, oh, we could have thought of these. Oh, really? You know, go back and have another go, but really think about what you, only you could do as a group of people. What fantastic it feedback. It was. That's really it great. Was. Arbiters of work. Yeah. yeah and we, so we came back with this idea. We said, we think we have the idea. It's a sketch horror show. And they said, yep, that's the one. That sounds like only something you guys would do. And next thing you know, they offered us, <laughs> I don't know, a small amount of money to make it. And we said, oh, maybe we'll have to fund it ourselves. Because it was, you know, we went away for the weekend. We wrote the whole show. In a sense, we wrote, wrote all the characters, all of the sketches up. And we had the format. We just hadn't got the script actually written. But um, within a weekend, we had the whole show. And then it was like a year or two before we could afford to fund it which you know michael and steve at revolver helped fund and um we put some money in because that's what we tended to do was use some of the money we make to invest in our own stuff yeah. and that's sort of again okay. part of the fun and so yeah i mean it made it onto sbs eventually but yeah i think that's that's probably us in a nutshell i can see why that would be the case mm. yeah it's funny when you get pushed by someone else yeah we've had the occasional client that's actually pushed us one time our nab client said you know that's not edgy enough right go back and do it yeah it's an amazing thing to happen i think it's good to have someone who you respect say to you i know you're better than that or i know yeah. you've got something better inside of you and in a way that's a compliment that they say that to you it happened john gillard said that to me once at college he said your book's not as good as you are just so you kind of go well okay I just yeah, better better get work that out book. why yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> what piece just interesting you probably said this, but what piece of work do you think has got the most amount of you in it so far? The, uh, of my, my advertising yeah. work? You know, I was Hard saying, say. I was saying, Carlton Draft. You know, right. it's, uh, we were we were lucky enough to actually create a sort of brand yeah. that's for you. completely. Yeah, I some think degree. the same thing probably happened with, with Virgin in that they're, they're liking the fact that there's a really strong personality. That, I, I think that's so interesting. But, I, but, I mean, I, I always, this is something I say to people at award school. I said, all of us could write a joke for Homer Simpson. 
now we'll write a joke for Vodafone and it's just impossible yeah they've got such a they've got zero personality <laughs> but but I think you're you know you, you identified a client that sort of really suited your sensibilities as you did, Anne. With, yeah, they, with, something with, came something. It's yeah. almost like I mean, it's almost like young creatives need to actually get you know find their perfect match in terms you've of. You've got the, to have that luck, don't you? Because you can't. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, you can sort of brands change, don't they? For example, Cut and Draft before we were doing it wasn't a particularly funny brand. I mean, beers generally, you know, in that area, so that's yeah. not a big. But it's not it's inconceivable that you could find some other thing like a jewellery brand and make it oh, funny no one's done that but you know you could yeah. do it I guess it's just some some. I think yeah. that, I think there are like alcohol category is suited to comedy yeah well in the in the 70s and 80s it was cigarettes like yeah. you know silk yeah. cut and Benson and Hedges in the UK or you know there was campaigns which had personalities of people behind them we would be I'm sure we'd be influenced by a lot of the same yeah some, well this but there tango is, and all that kind of yeah, stuff was well, exactly what I was watching here yeah know? it was breaking the rules but it was I think there was a strong the personality of the people who were writing it was also in the work and that was giving the yeah. brand a personality yeah. and that's sort of what I was getting at before about if you don't let people have their way in terms of hey this piece of work has really got a bit of you in it you know I can feel mm. the fact that you guys did this in a way only you could have done it yeah you know it's important that it sells the product and it has a bit of everyone in it who's involved and when you do something that you are you know really into it's amazing how many people want to participate in that kind mm. of an idea they, mm. they like that hopefully we uh we'll see your fingerprints on a lot more stuff John. yes and, we'll, um, and yours and i think we'll call it a day will we on this podcast yeah i think we should look thanks Thanks, guys. If anyone's still listening. If anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's out there. This is, what it, this is the secret thing that you've been... <laughs> I think it's, by the way, I do think it's really good that you're doing this. and uh, Well, you've, you've made making this happen because I don't know, how often do you get the chance to sit down with someone? Well, you can, you can actually tell, like, just sitting here, that's why I shut up, because just sitting here listening to you guys, you can tell you never actually get a chance. And it's true, when you're not pissed. <laughs> just actually sit I'm sure down. it would have been funnier. Oh, funnier yeah, 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 probably would have been more like Maybe we'll do another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd completely get yeah. like 10 So, Ant, Jonathan, thank you so much for being thank our you. first thank you. team on the Creative Relay. So it's really over to you now, Jonathan, because the next episode will be you'll be talking to a creative that inspires you most. So do you think you can give us a bit of a clue as to who that's going to be? I can. It is a woman, and they are going to give us an insight into Melbourne v Sydney. Ah. Um, Could be very provocative. Yes. They will have had an exposure to both. I'm interested to see what it's like to have come through the ranks as a member of the opposite sex and as someone who's worked in a different city. Lovely. Okay. Look forward to it. Thank you, boys. Cheers. Thanks for downloading the Creative Relay podcast brought to you by Smith & Weston. Go to our website at thecreativerelay.com made by our good friends at Macadamia Digital where you'll find a whole lot more info and extra content about the podcasts and all our guests. I'll be back next time with Jonathan and his guest. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe, like and rate us. See you next time. Thank you.